Retreat House Podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. We're going to do things a bit differently today for today's episode. I've invited a friend back to the table not to tell his story, but to tell a different story. First of all, I want to thank Sarah Groves for letting us use her song, Jesus, See the Traveler. It's a prayer song written about people traveling to hope and a di- hope of a different life. And it was sung with her daughter, Ruby. It's just such a sweet song. It's kind of an earworm, too. It's going to be in your head. So you're welcome. It's the perfect song to start off today's episode because we're going to be talking about IJM, International Justice Mission. And Sarah Groves has been a longtime supporter of IJM, and her husband, Troy, actually works for IJM. Today, we're going to be talking about, you have probably heard some of my past guests talking about, talking about me training for a marathon, or if you follow me on social media, you've seen the not-so-pretty process of it. Today, I'm going to talk about the why I'm doing this. And to be honest, if I ask myself, I ask myself that question every day. Why, 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 why am I doing this? But it all started back in December when one of my past guests, Eddie Koffeltz, and his daughter were participating in December. And December is when a woman wears a dress or a man wears a tie every day in December to raise awareness and financial support for the fight against human trafficking. And I was telling another friend about it, and I said, Oh, goodness. Well, and I live in Minnesota, so dresses in December is a thing, too. (laughs) But I was telling a friend about it, and I said, you know, I think I would rather run a marathon than wear a dress every day for a month because I hate wearing dresses. Fast forward to January, and I was thinking about what I had said to my friend that I'd rather run a marathon. And at the time, too, I was doing I was reading 100 Days to Brave by Annie F. Downs. And on day five, she asks a question what does it look like for you to take a step of courage today that will help you start? No lie, I googled couch to marathon because first of all, I needed to know if it was possible. It was January 5th and I needed to see if it was, if I could even train before the marathon in June. And unfortunately, I found a plan and found out it was possible. So I, that day I registered for grandma's marathon in Duluth, which will take place on June 22nd. Well, I wasn't going to run this marathon for the fun of it, although it's been kind of a bucket list thing for me. I wanted there to be a purpose. And truth be told, I knew that I was going to need a reason. Otherwise, I was going to quit. I'm an Enneagram 7. When the pain came, I was going to quit. And I thought about that December model of, of having a purpose for what you're doing and decided to run to raise awareness and financial support for IGM. And I'm glad because I would have given up already, but the stories that come through of rescue and the work that IGM is doing and the fact that I am free to make the decision to run and to train has kept me going in this process. So today I want to share the story of IGM and I am so excited to welcome back Eddie Koffeltz to the podcast. Welcome, Eddie. Oh my gosh. I have so much already to say. Okay. <laughs> okay. I know you like have questions and things prepared, but first of all, how is it that 
running a marathon is even remotely more of an enjoyable idea than wearing dresses or ties. Like I can think of almost anything on planet Earth I'd rather do. I did the couch to 5K mm-hmm. and I ran that 5K and I in in it I knew that there are very few definitives in my life. Like one was like I'm going to love my wife and children for all time. I'm going to love God and I am never going to run a marathon. I don't care how much money it raises for what organization. I'll never do this again. How on earth are you doing this? Like, how are you feeling? Well, I thought the thought of wearing a dress, I mean, that's what I think of wearing a dress. Spoiler, okay, spoiler alert, I would rather wear a dress. Yeah. (laughs) Now that I'm a few months into training, yes, I, I was wrong. I would Can I ask you what, what you, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah. Can I ask you what you don't like about the dress? Is it like the statement of what a dress means in society? Is it just the way it feels? No, it's the way that it feels. And, you know, it's my body type. My body type's not great for dresses either. Yeah, I um, understand. There's also a whole, sorry, too much information. There's a whole like thigh situation that happens when you're wearing dresses and things mm-hmm. um, that I don't find pleasant. Um, and I just don't own a lot of dresses. I, I, no, I understand. I like to be comfortable, and I don't find dresses comfortable. I know some people no. do. Yeah, no, I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Every time I have to wear a suit, mm. I look at myself, and I'm just like, "What on? Why? How what are you the? How are you the hugest rectangle on the planet <laughs> right now?" And I hate wearing suits. I don't. I would not wear suits for a month. A tie I could throw on, but I would never wear a suit for a month. I don't care who it's for. Okay, well, but would you rather just, a suit or would you rather run a marathon? I, I mean, this is this is the unanswerable question. You, you you have walked into the would you rather game that I am spiraling down. I mean, I still think a suit just because I I mean I, I we're not allowed to use the word hate in our house, mm-hmm. but I will say that I deeply disdain mm-hmm. <laughs> like disdain the running. This is not about me. Mm-hmm. All that to say, well done. Thanks. Like well, really. And- well done. Full disclosure, I'm I will walk a, a fair share of it. I have seven hours to finish it. A friend actually came alongside who um, had gotten like sixteen miles into a marathon and just sat down and was like, "I'm done," and really wants to like kind of a bucket list thing for her. So she came alongside, which is huge to not have to do it alone. But we had that conversation of, "Okay, no, I run really slow. No, I run really, really slow." And so yeah. once we figured out we're both really slow. We're right. doing it together. So we'll probably but, take almost the whole seven hours. But walking, great. Because mm-hmm. walking a marathon is the same as somebody saying, I listened to the book on audio. And then you're like, oh, well, you didn't read it. You're like, right. no, no, no. <laughs> we all got the same information. Right. The fact that you will somehow move that, that what, a 26.2 miles mm-hmm. yep. in, a, in a day. Mm-hmm. I don't care how you do it. I would be just as impressed if you hopped on a bicycle and just did 26. I mean, this is really serious. The fact that your feet will take you 26.2 miles, mm-hmm. some of which will be running, some of which will just be walking, some of which may be just suffering. Right. I, I'm <laughs> and sure great, like a big, huge piece it, of that. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And the fact that you're doing it like I think if most people did it, they're like, I just want to say that I ran a marathon. And I. Mm-hmm. it's like a very – um. Well, I get a medal at the end, and I will wear that medal for an extended period of time after. Yeah. You, I was about to do like a long string of curse words, yeah. basically shortening to, you're darn right you will. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and that, and the next day. You go ahead, take right. a shower, well, get dressed, like the a day, week. back on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, a full week. 
Oh yeah, yep. to to church, to mm-hmm. work, oh, to yeah, yeah. everything that you do. To the grocery store, yes. Yeah. Why, ma'am, why are you wearing that medal? Because I ran 26.2 miles. Yeah. Can you see me hobbling? It. Yeah, I'm going to drop it in conversation. Yeah, just casual conversation. Oh, you oh yeah, well, really? How are you? Oh, I ran a marathon. Did you know that? Here's my medal. Oh, no big deal. So, <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so the whole reason, though, that I decided or I what I needed to keep me moving forward in my training was to be running for a purpose and to have something that was greater than me because I'm a self-sabotager generally. Yeah, yeah. And so I needed something that would keep me going. And IJM, just, I knew people enslaved would keep me running. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's the, there's a lot of drive to that, isn't it? Mm -hmm. When you hear about, like, like you you hear about little boys and girls in Lake Volta, or you hear Mm -hmm. about children in brick kilns in India, or you hear about whole families in slavery. I mean, Mm -hmm. you realize you're like, all right, if I need some sort of drive, it's not going to be a picture of a goal line in my head. It's going to be like we can raise support. We can do something to actually help them. Yeah. But that's that's amazing. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. So today, I thank you. Yeah. Today, I want to talk about IGM because yep. as I've been telling people that I'm running a marathon, the next thing I say is, and I'm doing it to raise money for IGM, and people some some people know exactly what IGM is, but I'm constantly surprised at how many people don't know or aren't aware of the work of IGM. And uh-huh. and I think sometimes, which I felt this way too, the idea of human trafficking is too big. It's too big. It's too hard. What can I even do about it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I guess my favorite thing about IGM is that it gives people the opportunity to do something about yes. it. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. So today I, I want to share the story of IGM. Yeah. I mean, when I was in a church as a pastor and I heard about IGM for the first time, it was like the reason, a huge reason the bottom dropped out of my life was exactly what you just said. It was like, one, I didn't know there was a slave in the world. Mm-hmm. Like to be completely transparent, I was like, I kind of had heard of human trafficking, but I didn't know there was like slavery. Mm-hmm. And this was like seven years ago, recent history. And the second thing is IJM was such a, for the church, it was like, here's a thing we can do. We can actually, it was just, I love the practical expression of faith. Mm-hmm. Like, like sometimes I, I like the idea of like things that aren't practical. Like it's very like in the spiritual ethereal realm and that's great. But I was like, if we can shoulder down and help this random organization do this work, mm-hmm. people won't be in slavery. That feels like I want to, I can take this whole thing from A to Z and see a change. And so I, so I just basically affirm everything you just said. It is the yeah, it's the real deal. And it's – and – sorry, can I keep going? Yeah, I'm going to keep going. Yeah, sorry. keep going. Every time I preach about IJM, the thing that I am most shocked about is, you know, you'll stand up in a church, 100 people, and you'll say, did you know slavery exists in the world today? And there is a collective look of surprise, and you realize, like, the reason people don't – I mean, I don't care if they don't know about IJM, but the fact is they don't know their slavery. Mm. And that's still – I mean, I think the church and the world is waking up to it, but that's why what you're doing is so important because you're leveraging this podcast, you're leveraging your interactions, you're leveraging your friendships, you're leveraging it all to say, hey, did you know there's slavery in the world? Mm-hmm. And I'm not surprised that they don't know about it, but I'm also really grateful that you're going all in because like many, many more people will know about it because of because of your whole deal. So, I mean, what I like what I said is I like that. I can couple with it. There's this huge problem and there's something you can do about it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And not feel helpless in it. Yeah. 
Um, so will you talk a little bit about what IJM does and the work? So like in a nutshell, yeah. I guess your sermon. No. Will you just give us your well, sermon, no. Eddie? <laughs> to- totally. Well, IJM is... Uh, also, I don't know if I said this. Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I was here when you were just Angie, and now I feel like you're all grown up. You're like you're like full Angela now. Yeah. So happy to be back in the go. Angela days. Thanks. So IJM is the world's largest nonprofit dedicated to ending slavery. There are more slaves today than there have ever been in history. There are, by last count, there are over 40 million people in slavery. And when we talk about slavery... We talk about people who are being restrained at the hand of an oppressor. They are, for some reason, there is someone taking away the things that God has given them. That is their life and their their liberty and their pursuit of good things. And someone is taking that away from them. And usually, and basically always, that is being taken away because of the problem of violence. So there are people in the world who are living under the threat of violence daily, and they are being forced to have lives that are stripped of all goodness because of this threat of violence. This can look a lot of different ways in a lot of different places in the world, but it affects men and women and boys and girls uh, equally. But disproportionately, the people that are most affected by slavery are people that are in extreme poverty. And so there are, I mean, if you think about it, there are, in every society, there are the haves and the have-nots, mm-hmm. or perceived. Mm-hmm. Of course, in God's economy of things, all people are equal, but there mm-hmm. are people in power who take from people who are perceived to be powerless. And in the places that IJM works, there is a much higher concentration of discrepancy because there is such poverty. So there are people that are living on $2 a day or much, much less, who, just to put that in perspective, are starving. Mm-hmm. So you've got families that are starving and on the death and, and, on, the, and on the doorstep of just extinction <laughs> because mm-hmm. of their poverty. And they are being taken advantage of by people in their area who are, in their own right, also not doing well, but are using their power to get ahead, mm-hmm. whether this be... Uh, the police sometimes, oftentimes the police are great advocates. Sometimes there is police corruption, whether this be local people who own, let's say a farm or a brick kiln, they are using these people's poverty to enslave them. And so what IJM does is we work systemically to end that. So we work from a very grassroots level to help change the culture within the police and within local elected officials. We gather support from the church locally. We work with local social workers and aftercare. We get a groundswell of support for ending slavery. We work on a grassroots and we work on a very grass top level. So we work uh, with the government and with the highest elected officials to have them enact laws that are already on the books. Slavery is illegal everywhere in the world, but we have them enact these laws and restart these laws. And so from the top, they restart the laws. From the bottom, they start enforcing the laws. And all of a sudden, slavery becomes illegal and punishable again in these areas. And we see that when we use this model, when we use the, when we use the, this change in the justice system, when we see that the justice system begins to work again, 
slavery ends. Mm -hmm. Um, And so our work is slow and it is systemic, but it is also the most effective and proven method to end slavery in places where there is extreme poverty. And so that's in a not so nutshell what IJM does. Yeah. And as you were talking, I was thinking about some of the stories that I've heard from IJM, like the the work that you were, his name was Willie, wasn't it? Yeah. Who died yeah. in Kenya. Yes, that's right. Um, and that was police corruption? Yes, that's right. Okay. But that yeah. story of him and his client and their cab driver yes. being taken and then being brutally killed um, because they were fighting against yes. police corruption. Yeah. And, and yes. So, so yeah. And so, you know, we we're still in the middle of seeing how all of that will affect change in Kenya. But mm-hmm. a few years ago, we did. We lost uh, we lost some colleagues. We lost friends that were uh, that were killed in Kenya because of exactly what you said, because of police corruption. Um, and it was and still is just a deeply tragic. I mean, it's hard to even fathom it, but it also highlights. This is also the the reality of what's happening in the world, mm-hmm. there are real stakes here for real people. Um, and this is not just our colleagues. This is, this is millions of people around the globe. This isn't, this is a, this is a real life or death situation that we're walking mm-hmm. into. What's beautiful is that in Kenya and all around the globe, we are seeing transformation. We are seeing Kenya transformed. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't want it to be at the cost of our friends and brothers and sisters, but and this is where we get into the spiritual part of it. Like, mm-hmm. but God is redeeming even the darkest of situations. And mm-hmm. so there is this beautiful groundswell of support that is happening for a just Kenya. There mm-hmm. is all around the globe, there is the world and the church is waking up and saying, no, 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 no. This kind of injustice cannot happen and, and it will stop. And we get to be a small piece of that and we get a front row seat to it. And it's beautiful. Yeah. Last night, actually, last night, the night before we were recording, I was at a prayer meeting for IJM, and they were highlighting the work that you're doing in Ghana, which is the the work that I find, the for me, the hardest to kind of step into because in Ghana, the boys that are being trafficked are gen- generally between like 5 and 10, maybe 5 and 15. Yeah. yeah. And the most yeah, the when I first heard about it, my boys were eleven and eight, and so thinking that those those the, there are boys that are my age, somebody else's, some other mother and father's children, boys, sons, yeah, and yeah. daughters are there girls, yeah, there, um, being trafficked in that way, I found it so hard. But last night at the prayer meeting, they were talking about how things are moving and changing in Ghana yeah. and how yeah. the church is coming yes. together, and I mean what you're talking about. Uh, trying to get that grassroots swell of like yes. I, I just felt like it was the a change of the culture yeah of accepting that this is how it that it'll it never is. be different it is i feel like so much of what's happening in ghana and, and the work that we see all around the world with ijm is people even people like if even if someone doesn't have a kid like mm-hmm. everybody looks at this and goes Mm-mm, this is not right. right. This is this is against the laws of nature and humanity, and there there's no mm-hmm. way that this is justified. Um, and so, so much of it is like sunshine is the best disinfectant, right? Like mm-hmm. you just once it starts to come to light, you, you see society like you see whole countries start to change. And IJM, I mean, that's really what we're doing. It's not there are not you know five thousand IJM staff on the ground in Ghana. 
we it's the local authorities it is mm-hmm. the local fishermen it is the local government that is doing this work we are adding context and some education and some support but you know our real job for IJM is not to be the country's police and the world's police our job at IJM is to just shine some light and then once the dominoes start to fall we get to we get to Honestly, we back out and we watch the society change itself. There's these rusty gears of justice and we add some oil and get them going and then we back away. And so that's what's beautiful in Ghana is, you know, it's not because IJM is so smart. It's because God is sovereign, has not forgotten about the people of Ghana and Mm -hmm. the Ghanaian government is stepping up and really being phenomenal and what yeah. a cool thing for us to get to witness. Well, and to what they talked about last night too is that there some they were partnering with a church in the United States that had gone over to help in February, and the Ghanaians is that what people yes, from Ghana yeah. are called? Yeah. Um, had... Sometimes I forget, and I'm just like the people of Ghana. <laughs> right. That's, <all. laughs> That's easier. <laughs> yeah. The people. I'll do that. The people of Ghana were ready to to do this work. Were ready to have this conference on their own. And so the people yeah. that had come from the United States ended up staying back and praying and not and not being a front part of it. Which I yeah. love too. That there was the wisdom of you know no nope, let let us do this. Yes. Which also brings me to another point about the so the these people that and I actually think it was a church in Minnesota that had gone over to help them. Um, but they stayed and they prayed. And I think we talked about the little, the last time that you were on the, when I had gone to liberate, which was IGM's 20 year celebration, the focus on prayer was, I, I, I didn't know. I just didn't know. So will you talk a little bit about, about that? Will you talk a little bit about the spiritual side of, of the work that you're doing? Yeah. And what a good and perceptive thing for you to catch because, there is, there is, I would say even out, even more so than the work that we do and the model of ending slavery and justice system transformation and all of these things and all the stuff I've talked about, I would say the uh, the hallmark of IJM is our dogged commitment to prayer. Mm-hmm. So we've got these prayer rhythms at IJM that are, were institutionalized by Gary when there was nobody on staff and have not changed. In fact, they've intensified. So every single morning, the office opens at 830 in the morning and people come into work. I sit down at my computer, right? Mm -hmm. And we turn off all things and we have a half hour of squaring our hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. Some people spend it in prayer. Some people listen to worship. Some people just (laughs) close their eyes and take another (laughs) minute to sleep, like whatever they need to do to like be in a place with God. And so we spend, that's, that's 830 at 11 o'clock every day. All of the countries in their local time gather for prayer. And at these 11 o'clock prayer times, you know, I hop online and I see headquarters. We're all online. And it's not HR updates. It's not birthdays. It is not corporate. It is, here's what's happening today. Let's pray right now for this. Here's what else is happening. Here's every prayer need that we can get together in a half hour. We write them on a whiteboard and we pray. And then we get up and go about our day. Quarterly, all of IJM staff flies centrally to wherever they're at. So all the U.S. folks fly to D.C., and we Mm. spend a day or two in guided, reflective prayer. Mm. And again, it's not HR updates, it's prayer. 
and yearly we get together for local prayer gatherings or liberate or is as a large group and we do days of reflective prayer thought right mm-hmm. all of this is because there is a fundamental reality that the only way any of the work gets done is because god is making it happen mm-hmm. and it is deeply spiritual there is um gosh i forget the i always forget the exact quote but there is this idea that blaise pascal talks about that god instituted prayer to give his people the dignity of causality mm-hmm. causality meaning like there's a causal connection so like if there's there you know a car needs gasoline to go you and i need electricity to connect all of our computers and have this interview. There's a causal connection between one thing and another. And so there is this causal connection between prayer and God's movement. And it's one of the great mysteries of all of Christianity, really, Mm -hmm. that God is actually moved by the prayers of his people. But in IJM, we see it all the time. And we see it in tiny little ways, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody is going in, there's a big operation happening. Somebody goes in, knocks down a door, you know, the local authorities walk in, knock down a door, nobody's there. And all of a sudden a little boy rides on a bike and said, rides by on a bike and says, no, 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 I saw everybody across the street this morning. Mm. And then they go across the street and there's everybody they were looking for. Those kinds of things from tiny examples like that to just massive overarching examples of seeing entire countries like the Philippines change is not because everybody at IJM is like fancy and smart. It is, it is not that Although we are people at IJM are fancy and smart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But, but it's not because of that. Right. It can't be. The, the scale is too grand. The work is too complex. It's not because of us. It is because God is moved by the prayers of his people. Mm-hmm. And that is, it is the most spiritual place I have ever worked. And I was a pastor in a wonderful church, but this has fundamentally altered my view of prayer as not something that's delightful but rather Mm -hmm. critical it it is absolutely yeah it is critical to the mission it is critical to all we do Mm -hmm. to do i mean because i i think because the work you do is so like to our eyes evidently hard and costly and and in other work like in a church work it's costly i mean there are souls on the line but it's not as visual as like the work that you guys are doing Mm. yeah maybe that yeah, that might be true. I, uh, I think it's whatever it is. I mean, I, I don't even know from solving the world's ills of ending <laughs> slavery or any of the other things to mm-hmm. small stuff like repairing our own broken relationships mm-hmm. or taking a big step or changing jobs or caring for children or all of the things that we do from that are wherever they are on the scale. It, it is the driving of prayer. I mean, and I believe this and staking a lot into knowing that this is true. It is that it is that commitment to prayer that allows those things to come to fruition, because I just don't have the steam or ability to actually affect much change at all. But I see God opening and closing doors and guiding and correcting and all of the things Mm -hmm. that God does um, in the process of a real deep commitment to prayer and it's it's been a great place and it's also not always wonderful to like sometimes we don't want to go to prayer mm-hmm. it's not all magical like mm-hmm. there have been plenty of prayer retreats that i'm like i do not want to get on an airplane today there's a lot going on and that i've gone through the whole prayer retreat with a junky attitude but there's part of it that's like if i just keep putting my body in the right place 
my brain and heart will eventually follow. Mm -hmm. And so there is a part of it that's just like, we're showing up at 11 o'clock. Okay, sometimes I'm feeling it, sometimes I'm not, but my heart has followed me more often than if I wasn't showing up. And that's what's been beautiful. It's just the, it's the orthodox commitment. Yeah, I love it. When I got to the meeting, the prayer meeting last night, well, first of all, and found out it was gone, I was like, seriously, like this is the hard one for me. And I've had a long day. I'm not sure if I want to be here. And to just sit there and and listen to the worship and listen to the people, the prayers of the people around me. Yeah. Yes transform. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Now that we've talked a little bit about, or a lot about IGM and the work that you're doing, if someone is listening and they, this is something that they want to get involved in, they want to do something, which is one of my favorite things about IGM that you get to be a part of the work that you're doing. What are some ways that someone could do that? Well, first of all, whoever's listening, whoever just heard about IGM and wants to take a next step, I am super grateful. Um, I, I'm with you. The first time I heard about this problem of slavery, I wanted to take a next step, and it came with in you know being involved deeply with IJM. But no matter what your level of commitment, it it will take a groundswell of support from a lot of a lot of churches and individuals around the globe to do the work that we and other organizations have to do, which is end slavery. We must mm-hmm. end modern day slavery. It is unacceptable that it's happening on our watch. To that end, I think there are always, I kind of like, there's a lot to do and a lot of different options, but I think everything kind of falls into three categories. The first is I think committing to prayer seems like a throwaway thing. And sometimes when you get like people that are going on a trip and they're like writing you a letter and they want to help support their mission trip at the bottom, they put like, or I'll commit to praying. Mm -hmm. And it's like definitely the last option I I would say is a first option, please pray. And Mm -hmm. I would, I mean, you can sign up for prayer updates at IJM.org. You can do that, or you don't have to know people's names. Just pray. Mm-hmm. It 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 may not feel like it's real, but it is critical that you be praying. So pray. To the, can Second, I ask a question about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. So like the prayer meeting I went to last night, does IJM yeah. do that all over? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's local prayer gatherings happening all around the country this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully more in the years to come. And so the idea is that at some point there's going to be, we have these local teams all over the country mm-hmm. and these local teams, um, will be hosting different forms of prayer. So there was one in where I'm at in Orlando, there was one in DC and a couple out West in Texas. So there you should be able to find like a big IJM led a big event at some point in the next year or two within, with, you know, within driving distance, hopefully. Um, uh, so yeah, so there's things like that, but also just in your house with your, Mm -hmm. with your small group, with your, with your kids. I mean, our kids pray for the kids in Lake Volta Mm -hmm. every single morning on the way to school. And I 50, 50, if they really fully understand what they're praying for, but you got to know God hears the prayer of a six year old. And so, um, so yeah, IJM.org, sign up for prayer lists if you want some more specific information. Just follow us on social media if you want to see what's happening. Like, social media is really up to date with IJM. So, prayer. The second is advocacy. Just using your voice. I mean, and you are, Angela, the mm-hmm. you are the example of this. So, you are taking a thing that you didn't want to do, mm-hmm. and you are telling everybody on your podcast, mm-hmm. in your life, everywhere, hey, I'm running this thing because there's slaves in the world. I want to help a way we can help is support IJM. 
your advocacy in this, and we talked about it earlier, is your voice in this is massively important. We have unprecedented reach through social media. And of course, IJM can help you with this. We have all kinds of social media things you can do. Go to the website. We'll help you. But primarily, just telling people that there's slavery in the world and we can do something matters a great deal. Mm-hmm. So advocacy. And the third one is giving. I, and I really, when I was a pastor, I disliked strongly talking about money. Um, but this is not, this isn't that. <laughs> like it takes people and it takes manpower and woman power to make this work happen. It takes a lot of us together supporting and giving money to IJM or organizations that are doing great work to end slavery around the globe. It just takes resources. Um, to that end, I mean, the first thing I would do is like, you're raising money for the marathon, right? Right. Yep. How, do, have... they, how do they do that? Is there like a website you have? Uh, it's through IGM. I set up a fundraiser through IGM.org. Okay. That I'll cool. put in IGM the show d- notes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it's like IGM.org forward slash whatever, and mm-hmm. it'll be in the notes. Angie's Marathon. So like, mm-hmm. oh, Angie's Marathon. Yeah. It was before the switch to Angela. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> what if there's an Angela's Marathon? This is, <laughs> this is a big deal. We got to figure this out. Um, so Angie's Marathon. So like, go and give because like, I, Please like support I, me in running. So running a marathon isn't for nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, it matters because mm-hmm. right. Cause the fun part of it is we get to like, it's a way that we can digitally cheerlead you and high exactly. five and say like, yay for you. When people gave to dress Ember, like it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell Lucy, Hey, a person like just, you know, this person gave, isn't this beautiful? And it, we just felt like people were high fiving us every day for doing this silly thing of wearing dresses and ties. But mm-hmm. also, that money like really goes to help people that are in slavery. Mm-hmm. IJM is, and I, I'll just brag on this because I didn't have anything to do with it, but they are highly, I mean, they are transparent with their finances. They are highly above board. They are intense with making sure that every dollar is counted and spent in a way that is in line with the mission. I mean, I will mm-hmm. tell you just as an employee, if I want to spend any money, it is extremely rigorous <laughs> and it should be mm-hmm. because when I'm ask, when you're asking people, give me 20 bucks and I'm going to run this marathon. Isn't that fun? High five me with this 20, 50, $500 they can know that their money is going to actually help end slavery around the globe. So pray, advocate, give, I think are the big buckets that I put everything in. And our family does that. I wouldn't ask anybody to do anything we don't do. And Mm -hmm. that's what we do. And it's been really great for our family. Last night at the prayer gathering, when someone was talking about the liberate conference, she was, she meant, she said it as that it was a gathering of modern day abolitionists. And I was really struck by that. Because thinking mm-hmm. about like the history of slavery in our country and the abolitionists yeah. were the bravest people that were going in and fighting against it. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I'll wear that. I'll wear that title. And so to, yeah. to get the opportunity, you know, sometimes that you look back in history and you think about people that were on the right side and yeah. and people who were on the right side when it was hard yeah. and still they chose to be there. And so I think about, you know, things that are happening today. What side am I on? Am I on the right yeah. side? Am I going to look in the, am I, are my grandchildren going to be able to look back and go, my grandmother was on the right side of that totally. story. And so to be called an abolitionist because I'm mm-hmm. helping the, the work of IGM, I was like, oh my goodness, 
like my grandkids could look back and think yeah she was on the right side yeah yes and so i like it's not an understatement to say that what you just said is true and I, i heard gary give a talk this summer at a staff retreat that we had it wasn't this summer. It's an unimportant detail, but I just didn't want to be a liar. It was September. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and he gave a talk and he said, you know, all throughout history, all throughout the context and the canon of scripture, God has used his people to stand up to the oppression of other people. Mm-hmm. And it was just, ex- I mean, he just, and then he peppered us with examples so much so that it was like, we got it. <laughs> and he didn't stop. He mm-hmm. just kept going and going and going. And you see, like, it is overwhelming evidence that God uses his people to end violence, to end oppression. And we are his tools in this. Like, you are the light of the world. That That isn't like a, hey, if you feel like it or mm-hmm. if you had time. Like, it is God. Like, it is the, it is the voice of God saying, it's you. Your job is to go and be sunshine in the planet and mm-hmm. bring light into dark places. That is like really intense stuff. <laughs> it's really intense and it's mm-hmm. real. Um, and so, yeah, to call yourself a modern day abolitionist isn't an overstatement. It is God's honest truth. Is there uh, anything that we haven't talked about about IJM that you want to make sure that people know about IJM? What's a great question? Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you would want people to know about IJM? And also all the things that we've talked about, all the ways to get involved, I'll make sure are, are in the show notes. That's a really, I have never been asked that oh. question and I really enjoy it. Oh, there's I, something I, that you do in your work with IJM. You do, you host a podcast. I do host a podcast, but I will say this about IJM. I will say uh, that I think it's really important for people to know. When I came into IJM, I thought it was going to be the hardest, saddest, I didn't think I would have the emotional bandwidth to handle the pain that we experience. What I was not prepared for was the unmitigated hope and joy Mm -hmm. that comes from doing this work. Because while we, and I mean, I don't mean we IJM staff, I mean, we, the people that are in IJM hear about the hardest stuff in the world. Like what story did you hear last night at the, did you say you heard at the local prayer gathering? It was the story of Ghana. Right. There was a lot of hope at the end of that story. Oh, like there's... my goodness. Like right. God doing Ephesians 3.20, where God will do immeasurably more than we could think or even imagine yes. to ask him to do. And that was the story that we heard last night. I mean, it was miraculous. Wow. It was unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I, I did I, have I, that down low of, oh, my goodness, right. this is going to be so hard to. Are you kidding me? No. 100%. Are you kidding me? Yeah, 100%. And that was what I've not been prepared for was when I first started at IJM, I found, felt like I found this secret little organization of peop- of the most hopeful thing in the world. <laughs> and now it's not – and clearly it's not secret and everybody is hearing about it. Mm-hmm. But the thing I would want people to know about IJM is to just not be afraid of getting into the muck of it. Don't be mm-hmm. afraid to start to pray and advocate and give because while – it is a really terrible thing to hear about 40 million people and to hear some of the stories. There is almost nothing that is more hopeful and beautiful than getting this very special front row seat mm-hmm. to God doing a movement in the planet. And I, and I feel like they're just, we've got this perfect, amazing box seat, amazing view to seeing God do something 
pretty astonishing. And where there are a lot of places in the world where that's just not the case, where it's just like, man, how's this going to pan out? Get, getting in with IJM for me was, oh, I'm seeing, I'm seeing God move like right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what I would want people to know is to just dive in and trust that it's actually really beautiful. That's a good point because it can feel mm-hmm. overwhelming. The, yeah. the, the dark, the dark of it can feel really 100%. overwhelming. Yeah. 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 So will you talk a little bit about The New Activist, too? Oh, you're so kind. Yes, The New Activist podcast. Uh, So we do a couple seasons a year, and it is a podcast hosted by IJM that really just has conversations with people who are on the front lines of injustice. So whether it be IJM or any other really kind of injustice, uh, we just want to be able to have conversations. And and a lot of this is we have conversations with people in the United States about what's happening in the United States, Mm -hmm. good, bad, or otherwise. And um, so we have a new season. It launches soon, May 20, I don't know, third. I have no, I have no sense of dates. So I don't know what today's date is, but I know that by the time May is over. This will be in June. So there is already a new season of the new act. Great. It has already launched. (laughs) And we're going to have conversations with people that are working deep inside racial reconciliation, Mm. uh, working, uh, well, I don't want to give it all away, but just all across the areas of injustice. And uh, uh, to me, the hope of it is a little bit of like exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. Right. We know there's a slave in the world. We know once we hear that there's slaves, we're like, OK, I'm going to help. And to be exposed to areas of injustice that are not just injustice, but to talk to the people and the practitioners that are doing something to because to, to, I'm kind of addicted to people that are actually doing something mm-hmm. to change it. I love IJM for that reason. I quit my job and went to work for IJM because I just love it. Like you're actually practically solving a problem. So we talk to the other problem solvers in the world. And so. I love the show, and I, I love when people listen to it because I, I see people get lit up about different things all the time, and you're like, all right, that, that mattered. So, mm-hmm. new activist. That's yeah. great that you're doing episodes on racial reconciliation. I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go on a tangent. Um, Why not? Because, well, the not to say there's not human trafficking in the United States, because there is, and it's a problem yeah. there, too. Um, but that's when we're not trafficked and we're not... Like it's easy to get involved. It's easier to get involved with the work of IGM because there's yeah. a disconnect. Yeah. But then when you come to racial reconciliation, like we've all got stuff. Yeah. Like I, I've been thinking lately about how there's just everybody has kind of a cultural download of what they've mm-hmm. been grown of what they've grown up in that we need yeah. to. Yeah. deconstruct it and reconstruct it. So I love that you're doing that. And yeah, well, thanks. Should thanks for. Thanks for saying that. And there's a lot of like the reason we're talking to the the guests that we've talked to around that area or around like we're talking to um, we have a guest on and she lobbies for children with severe uh, like uh, severe disabilities. Mm. Right. So we start to intersect with those kind of things and we think like it's too big. I don't know what to do. I don't even know how to dip my toe in the water. How mm-hmm, would I possibly mm-hmm. do? And so what we do is we talk to people that have figured out how to dip your toe in the water. And we basically just say, like, lay out the problem. How do I dip my toe in the water? And right. if the show doesn't end practically, we don't we don't air it. Like, so there's <laughs> always like a here's what we can do. We can't solve all of the ills of the world. But here's a thing that, you know, Lisa Sharon Harper is doing. Mm. OK, I know where she's at. And here's the thing we can do. Mm. We're in. I'm with you, Lisa. So yeah, that's the hope is that some of this stuff that seems too big can get a lot less. Well, it's still big, but less on a, 
approachable mm-hmm. or put in the positive, more approachable. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, and thanks for your kind words com- about yeah. the show. It's always a great conversation too to listen to. Oh, thank yeah. you. Yeah. This has been so great. I'm so oh, thanks. grateful that you came back. I love it. Back. I love my once every few months opportunity to come and hang out. This was cool. And uh, good luck on your marathon. Thanks. Yeah. You're going to do a great job. Thank you. I, I'm, I'll finish. That's my hope is to finish. You will finish. Yeah. And I assume, so when is the actual run? June 22nd. Okay. Nice so, and warm. But yeah. hopefully it will be well, okay up there. Northern Minnesota. Oh, yeah. So like, nice and lovely. Yeah. Literally three hours from the Canadian border. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it'll be hours. just a... Lovely. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think nice. of it in Florida terms, and I'm like, yeah, you can't no. even go outside in <laughs> no. June. How dare you? No, and it's running along the shore of Lake Superior. It's oh a my really, goodness. yeah, it's a beautiful route. And the North Shore of Minnesota is hands down my yeah. favorite place ever. So, yeah. It'll be I mean, there. it'll still be the inner rung of hell because you're going 26 miles, right. but yeah. at least it won't be as hot. Right. When people would ask me, do you know what the route is? And I, yeah, this is where you start, and this is where you. This is where you finish. Like I yeah, you're like, get through it without you're like you start down. you end in the next city. So Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it's in crazy. your car and drive twenty six miles at some point and you're like, I am really out I'm not like they wouldn't deliver pizza from where I'm at to my own house. They wouldn't deliver much. Amazon would. No. But. Amazon. Amazon's <laughs> the only one, but they have airplanes. Right. So <laughs> anyhow, I hope everybody who's listening and everybody who came to the show will support your run. We are ex- like at IJM, you are the you are the hope is that it's not staff. It's not it's the groundswell of people around the globe who hear about this work and think, how can I leverage my life for the sake of other people? And yours was. I mean, something percolated in you and you're like, I can do this. I can talk about running a marathon for the next couple of months. I can put myself through a lot of real pain mm-hmm. and people will cheerlead me because they love me and I will go and I will run like, and we will raise money for this. Like you are what it takes. And so for anyone listening, not only give to the marathon, but like you're the groundswell do you do your thing we and we're here to support you i i appreciate it so much angela thank you thank you yeah you're the best someone said that to me recently and i was like i really am just kidding <laughs> i really am the really? best <laughs> i am the best you're the right. nice affirmation yourself yeah, in the right. morning i am um so usually when i end a podcast i ask two questions but you were already on the podcast back on episode yeah. 52 if you want to hear more of eddie's story there was one question, though, I didn't ask you that I wish I would have, and it was, how did you end up on the Relevant Podcast? You were working uh-huh. in a church, right? And then... Yeah, I was working as a pastor at a church, and all of the Relevant guys went to that church. And, mm-hmm. you know, they weren't really looking for anybody on the show, but then there was a fundraiser thing for an organization in town that the church was hosting. It was like a partner organization of the church, and it was like, oh... Uh, John Mark McMillan was, it was a concert and he came, John Mark McMillan came and it was like a big deal for our church. Cause like John Mark McMillan's a big deal. And our church is not like a, it was not like a John Mark McMillan sized church. Like we were a little too small, but we, <laughs> but the organization <laughs> like he cared about. And so we were like, Ooh, so in the middle of it, I got up and had to interview or got to interview, I should say that. Mm-hmm. I was a little nervous about it, but I got to interview the person who's the head of the organization. And so I'm doing this interview on stage and I just felt like it wasn't like, I was like, uh, this just needs to be funnier. 
And so I just started goofing around with her and mm-hmm. she started hanging with it. And it ended up being like a very funny, like we ended up having a lot of fun together mm-hmm. and the relevant guys were there and they were like, Hey, you can be dumb in front of people. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so they asked me to come and do a week or two. And then I just sort of never vacated the chair. So I've been mm-hmm. on the relevant podcast for like, I don't know, three, 400 shows in a couple of years. And it's, it's really fun. It's the, there's a lot of people that we get to meet through it that are just like, you know, the people that listen to the show that are like, you become real friends over time. You just like people, you know, and hang mm-hmm. out with. And so it's, it's pretty fun and it's fun to be, it's a crazy show. Cause it really goes back and forth between quite serious and thoughtful to quite like a, just complete lunacy. Mm-hmm. And the pendulum can swing within a minute pretty right. easily either real way. Fast. <laughs> right. Very fast. So that's, very fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. So thanks for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming back. Neat. I appreciate it. Yeah, this was the best. And uh, let us all know how the run goes. For sure. I will. For sure I will. And I'll put all the in the show notes how you can support the marathon, the fundraiser that I have on IGM's page if you want to do that. And then um, how you can follow me on social media where I've been talking about it a little bit more. And I will include, of course, all the ways to follow Eddie and the new activist and everything he mentioned, too, about how to get involved with IGM. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Mm -hmm.